This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to equip local churches everywhere to raise up uncommon leaders. The Leading Second Podcast releases every Thursday morning, so hit follow and share this episode with your team. Now, let's jump into another episode for all of us who lead from the middle. This is the year of the leader. This is the Leading Second Podcast. Welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. So glad you're here. This is a space we've created for anyone who leads from the middle. If you're wanting to give your all for the kingdom of God and get it right for your church and your pastor, this is the space for you. I'm glad you're here. My name is Clark, and I'm one of the team members here at Leading Second. And today we're joined by Pastor Dusty Dean to talk about winning with your family. In fact, we have a new course that's dropping next week with Pastor Dusty on family and ministry on Leading Second Plus, which if you haven't heard, this is a new space we've created for online leadership development for second chair leaders that we are just pumped to have. We call it Leading Second Plus. So Leading Second Plus is our online learning site for second chair leaders. We've put our very best into a space to help you grow and develop as a leader. Your subscription gives you access to online courses like the new one we're going to release next week. Also, it gives you access to past live events, leadership labs, and teaching from some of the greatest second chair leaders that we know. And we've worked hard to put it all in one spot for you. If you're interested in growing and developing yourself As a leader, I want to personally invite you to join us on Leading Second Plus. And we're happy to offer all new members a seven-day free trial on us. And it would be our honor to come alongside you, to walk with you every single day as you take a new step in your leadership development. You can go to leadingsecondplus.com to get started. For today's episode, Pastor Brandon sits down with Pastor Dusty Dean, who is the lead pastor at Heartland Church in Texas, to talk about winning with your family. So let's join the conversation. Dusty, welcome to the Leading Second Podcast. Man, let's go. I'm so glad you're here. What an honor. I I feel super privileged. Like this is like this is infamous, the leading second no, podcast. No, no, sir. <laughs> it's no, a big no, deal. No. Yes, it is. Well, we are proud of it. Uh, you're a lead pastor now. You have a brilliant church in Dallas, Heartland yeah. Church, that I think so highly of, think really highly of you as a pastor and a friend. But I remember that infamous night on the airplane yeah. where we met. <laughs> yeah, Memphis to Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, right? Memphis to Dallas, and it's the only time in my 12 years of full-time flying, I've ever seen the oxygen masks fall from the compartment mid-flight. So if you've never paid attention whenever they explain (laughs) the oxygen masks, you need to do it just one time because I was fumbling all over myself while texting my family, telling them that I'm about to die. (laughs) The funniest part of this whole story was whenever you're about to die, you learn a lot about 
people that you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And what I learned about Brandon that day was Brandon was in denial (laughs) and was laughing hysterically and taking selfies of himself. (laughs) And I was in sheer panic. And you're signing off to your family. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that says about my character. (laughs) I wish I could find those texts. Like, guys, I love you all so much. (laughs) You know, please tell my daughters this. Please tell <laughs> this. So we have to give context here. It, it ended up just being precautionary. Yeah. But they did. Well, there was a pressure loss in yeah. in the plane, in yeah. the cabin. And I guess when that happens, they have to drop from 30,000 to 10,000 10, feet. Yeah. yeah. Like within minutes. Yeah. Which you don't realize. You think like, oh, we do that normally. You do not do that normally. Right. It's much slower. So funny. And so we had those, and it ended up not being a big deal. And but when we landed, there were ambulances. Yep. Everywhere. <laughs> and I think I got five thousand miles from American, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so so thank you, American. Those are those were the days when you were not afraid to fly American, if I if I recall correctly. I don't need to speak of that. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bitter at Delta's. <laughs> recent scenario they've (laughs) they've put us in anyways uh that fateful night turned into a several year partnership i've loved getting to walk with y'all in in ministry i love your church so a little bit of story now you've uh moved from an xp Mm -hmm. sort of role back in those days to now you're a lead pastor what's that been like for you really fast it's it's been uh the joy of my life we just celebrated our four-year anniversary and we took over about four months before COVID hit. So it was really crazy, but I feel really honored that God would choose us and allow us to go through that. And our church is, is bigger today than it was before COVID. Like, you know, it helped us in so many ways. And really I kind of feel today, like if I can do that, I can now do anything. Um, Nothing bothers me as much. It was stressful. It was hard, but we got through it. Our church was really resilient and I'm just really thankful. And part of that, you know, in 2019, you know, for people listening, I actually came to you uh, and said, Hey, you know, we we're getting installed. Will you just walk with us for the next year? I believe uh, your exact words were help me not do anything stupid. <laughs> yeah. I, I still consider that my job title. I'm the director of helping you not do, do something stupid. stupid. <laughs> yeah. And you do a good job with that. Uh, every now and then it's, you know, you fail, but uh, <laughs> every now and then I do something really dumb, but it's cause I didn't call you first, I guess. No, so, no, no. but that kind of began, began a, just a yeah. friendship and a partnership yeah. and, you know, you, our church loves you. Our staff loves you. And you have helped my team so much, you and Lindsay and the whole leading second crew and everybody that's collaborated and been involved. And so, yeah, I just really appreciate you so much. You guys are the best. And so now let's get to the reason why we're talking today, which is I also respect you and Kendra, your wife as a couple in ministry and as parents in ministry. And I don't take those words lightly, and I don't think either of us are sitting here today because we feel like we lead our families perfectly, right? or we have perfect marriages. But I think what aligns me with you is we both share a lot of passion around navigating family and ministry and doing it well. And so we wanted to have this conversation today, and as I'm sure has already been mentioned in 
the episode today, we also have a course out on Leading Second Plus that you contributed Let's to part go. of on family and ministry. So yeah. we're going to take this conversation there and just blow it up into two parts, uh, looking at systems and approaches to various parts of this conversation. So right. that's all there on this course. We're not going to attempt to redo that here, but we're just going to kind of talk it through and give people a little bit of a snapshot of yeah, what sure. that was about. And, you know, I think I'd want to remind everybody in our tribe, first of all, when we say family and ministry and navigating those two, number one, I don't know if you know this, it's the number one question Lindsay and I ever get asked at, really? any, at any event, anytime on social media, hands down, it is some version of how do I navigate this? Wow. How do I get this right? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. More so than growing a department or developing leaders or any of the things that get airtime, it's I need to get this right with my family. And I think that speaks to something really important. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote to the younger Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3. He's giving us a very well-known list of, of qualifications, if you will, for ministry. And mm -hmm. he says in verse two, now the overseer is to be above reproach. That gets a lot of airtime. Right. What doesn't get as much airtime as some of these other verses, faithful to his wife. Mm -hmm. He lists several other things, but then he says this in verse four, he must manage his own family well. Right. And see that his children obey him and must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. Right. And now not one verse, but two, verse five, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? That's so daunting and intimidating, isn't it? Like it is. to read that and maybe that's the reason we don't talk about it that much is because it's like, well, I don't know that I'll ever be that. <laughs> Let's just sweep it under the rug. I think we're just very aware of our imperfections yeah. and we're very aware of the tensions that yeah, I went to bed the other night still frustrated with yeah. my wife or I didn't get this moment right with my child and my DQ'd in ministry. And that would not be the the point of this conversation. But I think the point of raising this in the leading second world is to say this matters and well, it's important. And I think that a lot of people are taught that family's very private, you know, at least in the corporate world, you don't talk about your family or you're not, mm. a lot of people are taught not to talk about their families. And so when you think about ministry, well, I don't, I don't just serve at a church. I work at a church and it's a corporate environment. And, you know, yep. I, I'm not going to bring my wife or yep. my, my husband into this. I'm not going to talk about my children. And, you know, yep. and so it's almost taboo in a lot of secular society to talk about the, the rough things or the hard things that were going and to begin have conversations about our families. And so I really think that just now in our culture, our church culture, we're open to the idea of admitting that I have parts of my family that I'm not getting totally right. Mm. Would you agree with this? I mean, the day we all signed up for ministry, we signed up to step into a calling. This is not a career, right? This is not a job. In fact, I heard it said, if you can think of something else you'd rather do, go do it. Yeah. Because vocational, full-time, dedicated ministry is truly a calling that um, some of us have and yeah. step into. And where that leads us to is this idea that the calling and, and the ministry expectation is also that of a public life. I mean, essentially, right. you're a public figure. And you you mentioning privacy a second ago, we're really not entitled to high degrees of privacy. Our lives are actually meant to be pace setters yeah. spiritually for others and are meant to be on display 
Paul's charge to Timothy was also saying things in First Timothy 4 that they may see your progress. So there is a public nature to what we do, and that just further exacerbate, exacerbates this issue of... Yeah. And I think it's Philippians, if I'm not mistaken, that says that Paul says, if you've seen anything in me, then put it into practice, mm. right? And And I think maybe he wasn't just referring to my theology or my church growth methodology. Right. He was talking about his character. He was talking about his life. Now, Paul wasn't married, right. but uh, there was a lot of things that you could garner from his life. And and subsequently, I think a lot of people are watching us. I have people tell me all the time, uh, I love the relationship that you have with your kids. Mm. And that is that is a very daunting thing yes. to hear from someone because that means they're watching yes. how I interact with my kids, <laughs> yes. which makes me nervous uh, when I'm spanking them or you know uh, yelling. We don't say at spanking. Them. This is a Seattle based. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, we I'm just talking joking. to them sternly. <laughs> I'm, <joking>. uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm from Texas, so you know. So I just I I think that there's this level yeah. of of tension and you know it's definitely something that we got to get right yeah absolutely would you agree with this thought that when we're in ministry our family is the most important team that we lead so we lead a lot of teams and so much focus is given to the teams that right. we lead but i wonder if enough of us see our family as a team we talked about this lindsay and i did in this series that our family is a team and probably the most important team that we lead. In other yeah. words, we have to realize that our kids are in ministry, whether we they like it or not. They they're they're a part of this with us. Right. And I, I grew up, you know, I, I have kind of a unique lens because uh, both of my grandfathers are pastors or were pastors while they were alive. I have six uncles. Uh, that are in ministry today. Wow. Uh, it's just crazy the number of people in my family that are in ministry. And so when I was growing up, I was around a lot of other PKs. I remember I was with I was in a school environment and this kid found out he was a, a junior and I was a, a senior. And I was new at the school and he came up to me and he said, hey, I have a pastor's kids club. I heard you're a pastor's kid. And I said, yeah. And he said, I've got a pastor's kid club. Do you want to be a part of it? Wow. And I said, sure. Like what, you know, what do you guys do? He said, well, it's great. We all get together and we go out in the forest and we smoke weed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what he said. And it, it so stunned me and took me back. And I have never forgotten it Wow. because somewhere in his life, I'm not saying, you know, that we don't struggle or go through seasons, but right. he had such a distorted view mm. of what it was like to be a pastor's kid. You could tell that the home that he grew up in wow. was dysfunctional. At the time, I didn't know who his dad was, but then I found out it was a very prominent, well-known wow. Dallas pastor. And immediately when I put the two together, I realized, oh my gosh, his family system is all out of whack. Mm. And you're right. The team... Uh, Team Dean in our family, Team Stewart in your family has got to be right. And everybody within the family system has to view it 
as a team in order for it to be right. And that means that everybody's got to be healthy in their own sense of who they are yep. and what they bring yep. to the table and what they're doing. And, you know, that that they don't just learn, but they, they also play a role. So let's go back just a minute because you grew up on Team Dean. Yeah. Your dad was a member of Phillips, Craig and Dean mm-hmm. and had a robust singing career. They were incredibly effective um, artists. So pastoring a church as well as navigating a very real music career and opportunity. Um, what impact did Team Dean have on you? How did that form you? Yeah. Well, I, I will say when, so when I was growing up, uh, I, I had sort of a unique piece because not all pastors' kids are are gone or fathers are gone as much as mine was. My dad, you know, from the time I was eight or nine, was gone 180 days a year. Yeah. So sometimes it felt like we didn't have a team uh, initially. <laughs> uh, mm. I I feel like today I I'm more of a product of what we didn't learn uh, than mm. what we did learn for a season of my life. I think my dad would tell you that he would say, you know, we didn't always get this right, but there were a lot of things that my parents did get right that helped me. So maybe our family system wasn't great. Uh, but what was great and what my parents did really well was that they helped me fall in love with the church. Very good. Uh, and because I loved the church, church was a safe place for me. Mm. And I never, I, I never felt alone because the church, the tribe of the church was my family, Beautiful. you know? Yeah. And so we just did it really, they did that really well. So it was like, if this makes any sense, I never felt like I was in team Dean. I felt like I was in team Heartland. Mm. Uh, and so it wasn't just one, you know, piece of the family system. My, my parents gave me a whole set of second parents and third parents wow. and fifth parents and eighth parents. Even today, when, when I speak here, I have these little old ladies <laughs> who I, I've had the fortune of growing up in the same church for 38 years. Yeah. They're my spiritual grandmothers. Yeah. And so they came alongside when my parents didn't uh, and helped me. So, but what my parents did do is they never made me feel like I had to do something that I didn't, or I wasn't ready to do within the family system. If I didn't want to go on stage with the family, they didn't make me go on stage with the family. Yeah, very good. You know, they let me be who I was. And Mm. when they saw that I did want something within the family system, they were not afraid to give me an opportunity that not everybody else got. Yeah. Uh, that it's like, should we play favorites to our kids when they're in ministry? I'm of the opinion, absolutely you should. Hmm. I got special privileges my whole life because I was a dean. Now, my parents still made me do the things that I committed to do, right? and I didn't get to bail out of responsibility, but yep. I got special privilege yep. because of, of I was on team dean. And I think the way that we have thought about it and said that for us is our children should experience because they're, they're going to experience the sacrifice of ministry. They should experience the blessing right. of ministry. I mean, a very, very real, tangible, unique thing about our ministry is airline miles. We got a ton of them. Just It's it's just, <laughs> an, a, it's, a, it's a byproduct of, you know, and yeah, we use some throughout the year to fuel ministry and whatever, but we use some to take our kids 
down to Disneyland. Yeah. And and when we've walked into Disneyland, I've been known to look at my daughter and say, look at her square in the face and say, you're getting to do this today because of what I do, because you were so generous to say yes to me going on those trips. Like, like I'm saying thank you to you today. And, and I actually, back to the team concept, that's how I tell, I say it to her now that she's 12 and we can talk about this as I say, you're actually a part of this team. You let me go. Yeah. I'm very aware that when I'm away, it's because you're allowing me to. So thank you. And you know, Dusty, she looked at me the other day. We were driving and I said that to her. I think I was maybe even getting ready to come here. And I said, hey, I got a trip coming um, in a few days. Thank you for releasing dad to go. And she actually, for the first time, linked it to her own life. I'd never heard her say this before, but she said, you know, and then she, she, I won't say it on a podcast, but she proceeded to tell me something she felt like God was directing her about Wow! in ministry and in the future. That's amazing. And so her response, I mean, have there been tears over the time? Yeah. Have there been tension over the time? Yeah. But she looked at me and she shared something and I looked back at her and I said, I'll tell you what. I said, if you look around mom and I right now, we have such an amazing team around us. I said, do you want to know where that came from? It came from years of me serving someone else. And years of me sewing into my pastor and our church and other people's vision. And now God has really given us a dream team yeah. around us. And I said, if you, your generosity toward ministry, your generosity toward your mom and I, I said, I promise you, God is going to resource you and help you and speak to you. And we were just able to link all that. It was this amazing and beautiful short little conversation on the way to youth group where to be quite honest, she was just going to see her crush that night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but the point being is it was it like it was the first time she linked it to her life. And I thought, thank you, God, that that's that's now becoming the narrative and the story, the arc yeah. for her in this. And I think I think there are so many practical ways that you can bring your kids into feeling like a part of the team. You know, I, I can so for whatever reason, this stands out in my mind so much and impacted me so much is that when you're a kid growing up with a mom or a dad who has, let's say it's, let's say it's a speaker that you think is phenomenal and you are the person that's going to take that person out to eat. Yeah. My dad always asked me if I wanted to go. Yeah. And most of the time I didn't want to, uh, <laughs> but every now and then somebody would roll through that just impacted me and all i wanted to do was be around them well when when you know you're the pastor's kid you you, you want to feel like i i have an opportunity to hang around some of these people that not everybody gets to hang around mm. and i remember this one specific time uh i can even tell you who it was uh it was john bevere came and spoke at our church and when he spoke that night i cried i was 16 years old mm. I cried the entire service. Mm, wow. And I went back into my dad's office after that night, and I sat in his office in the dark and kept crying. And I remember thinking to myself, I wish that John Bevere would pray for me. Mm. Isn't, that, isn't that crazy, wow. you know, to think that? So my dad came in his office, and he turned on the light. And I didn't want to ask, you know, you you kind of grow up, you're like, this is a, it's a big person in our church. And he, he turned on the light and he looked at me and he went, he went tonight really touched you, didn't it? And I said, yeah. Hmm. And he said, will you come with me? And he took me into where this, the speaker was. Hmm. And he said, John, 
will you just lay hands on my son real quick? Your message really impacted him mm. tonight. And I got the benefit that not yeah. anybody got to do. I'm not, that's a very like radical example, you know, but think about whatever it is, you know, let's say it's being with your staff team or whatever, yep. like yep. your kids, when they get to hang out with the rest <laughs> of the people on your team, like bring them into the journey, you know, bring them in. When I'm, when I'm platform hosting on Sunday, if I'm home and the team asks me to do it, Zane loves nothing more than coming to soundcheck. Yes. And it's the oddest, like, okay, yeah, it means getting up early. <laughs> you know, we're out the door before her mom and her baby sister and all that. She loves it. She's just sitting there. In fact, she gets bored halfway through and she goes out to the lobby and, again, probably just there to see her friends or her crush. But, you know, point being is she has this hunger to want to just be in the room, be in the atmosphere. And I I, I was like that. And, and, and you just don't know what those environments oh, are producing. And you can't just, them. you can't just wait for them. You have to recognize yeah. that if you can get them into it, they'll start to like it. Remember, they don't have a vision for their life. You mm. have to give them for the, the vision for their life. Mm. I used to wait for like, Jaden, do you want to go, you know, on a walk? And they would say, no, well, of course she doesn't want to go on right. a walk. Right. She's nine and she wants screen time. That's what she wants. <laughs> right, right. But if she gets out on a walk and if we go in, in this trail and she gets out, she's going to have the best time. Absolutely. But at first I used to ask her, do you want to go for a walk? And what would she say? Every, no. no. You know? Yeah. And and I remember one day I just had this epiphany with Kendra. She was like, why don't you ever take her out? And I'm like, Kendra, she doesn't want to go. She goes, she doesn't know what she wants. She's nine. Wow. Yeah. And I have to recognize today that my daughter doesn't know yet that the call of ministry is on her life. I have to get her yeah. in the environment of yeah. ministry. And when she gets in it, she'll love it with all her heart. So in our Family and Ministry 2 course that you're on, we you talk about this brilliant concept yeah. of the difference time makes. Yeah. And and we're not going to rehash it here because we want you know, I want people to check out the full multi-part course. It's absolutely beautiful. But will you just unpack the basic concept for us about little things done over time? Yeah. So so basically, you know, the thought is that nobody has the potential to influence a kid like parents do, you know, that we're the ones that have that innate ability inside of us. Um, and uh, I, I, I used this illustration um in the leading second talk of like a jar of marbles. Right. Right. And I, I kind of said, like, if you were to, if you were to take a marble out of a jar every week that your kid uh, is living, that there's, it's a little under 2000 weeks that you have in the life of a child from the time that they're zero to 18 years yeah. old. Yeah. But if you started to do that and you look at that, uh, what you would see is time passing before your your very eyes, yeah. you know, in a very quick moment. And, and when you live life that way, you what you realize is it, when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time that you have now. That's right. And, you know, the Bible actually talks about this. I think it's Psalms 90 that says, teach us to number our days. Number our days. You know? yes. Well, every week matters, but you can't do everything in a week. Uh, so what has to happen is you have to create collective momentum 
whenever you stack one week upon one week upon another week. So let's say that I take my wife out on a date tomorrow. Hmm. You know, taking her on a date tomorrow might be a good time, but it's not going to change the dynamic of our relationship. Right. But what will make a, a, a change or create momentum in our relationship is if I do it week after week or, you know, do it three times a month or good. Yeah. whatever. And so that's what creates momentum. And that's the difference time actually makes that that time doesn't have to work against you. Time can actually become a weapon yeah. that you use. And I think what we're hoping to do through this course is debunk some of this thinking that I don't have enough time to do X. I don't have enough time with my kids, you know, ministry spilling over into a couple nights a week and the pressure. And then of course, as soon as you hit the teenage years, you got sports entering the picture and you got, or piano lessons or all the manner of things that right. happen on family life. But the idea of stacking small things on each other, I first of all, just found it brilliant. One of the things we talk about is service over time. We're not going to yeah. get into all of them. There's like five or six. Yeah. But you talk about service over time, and I would love for you on the podcast to talk about the story of Whiskers, because I think this is absolutely a phenomenal story. Yeah, well, I, service over time is something I'm really passionate about because, you know, I, I think that what you do actually affects what you believe. And this is one of the mm. things that my parents did, you know, we're talking about Team Dean. This is something my parents did for me. You know, I, I, here's what I think about kids today. When the reason that they drop out of faith when they graduate is, is not because we didn't tell them what to believe. You know, today Hmm. we're pretty good about telling our kids what to believe. But I think what we don't do enough is, is that we don't give teenagers enough of a chance to experience it. You know, Mm. we don't, we don't give them as we're talking about right now, a chance to get in the game. They, they never get an opportunity to see what God could do through them. Mm. And, and I think that we have to give our kids more of that opportunity, you know, like, like if you tell a teenager that they're significant, but you never give them anything significant to do. Wow. They'll never feel significant. That is so true. And, and so my parents uh, from a young age uh, helped me to realize that faith was not a spectator sport. Mm. It'll always be a spectator sport if you never get in the game. And we teach that to people, you know, today, but uh, in churches, right? You know, you need to serve, you need to get in the game. You know, that's a very typical message that we preach. But at a very young age, my parents started practicing it with me. So when I was very young, uh, 14, 15 years old, this is that story. Uh, my mom and dad asked me that they told me it was time for me to start serving in our church. And it wasn't a, do you want to serve? It was like, you're going to serve. Pick one. Let's pick a spot. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know why I landed on the three and four year old classroom. Uh, (laughs) Dusty today would never have picked the three and four year old classroom, but that's what I chose. Um, and so I, I remember I went in and my very first week I started serving And when I got into the class, it was the time for the teacher to talk. And there were two kids that after snack, uh, they were twin brothers named Jesse and Josh. And when the lesson started, they went and got underneath the table uh, and and didn't come out. And I remember I told him, I was like, hey, guys, let's come out. You know, we're going to (laughs) do story time now. And they completely ignored me. And I went to go grab them. And when I did, like one of them kind of like spat at me, like, like, you know, swatted my hand away. Wow. And I was like, whoa, you know, a little, little violent. Um, <laughs> and the teacher 
the lead teacher, so I was the assistant teacher, she said in that moment, she said, hey, don't worry about them. This is what they do every time they come. They sit under the table. Uh, and I just thought that was so weird, but you know, they're the lead teacher. So I'm I'm listening. So weeks go by, right. And Jesse and Josh, this is their routine. Every single week they come in, they get to snack point, they eat their snack lesson starts. They go under the table and they don't listen. They don't Mm. engage in anything spiritual, no prayer, no nothing. And so one particular day I am in this closet getting uh, something for the lead teacher. And I find this little mouse puppet. I grab the puppet. I, I asked the lead teacher, I said, Hey, what is this? And she said, Oh, don't worry about that. She said, that's, that's a, a puppet that we used in the lessons at some point, but I don't really use it. And I said, well, why don't, you know, why don't we use it? And she said, um, I, you know, it's not really my thing. Uh, and I said, well, okay. So I think the next week, I, I, she asked me to do the lesson and I asked her, I said, Hey, would you mind if I used the puppet? Uh, and she said, sure, you can use it if you want to. And I said, what's the puppet's name? She said, whiskers. (laughs) So I got this little puppet out (laughs) and I start like teaching the lesson out front. And, you know, I'm like, trying to do like a ventriloquist, right? Like I'm, I've got the puppet and I'm not moving yeah. my mouth. And I'm like, Hey kids, it's me whiskers, you know, and they're three and four, you know, so they're not smart. They're just, they think it's real. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I pull it out of the closet and they're, they are freaking out. Well, I look over as I'm starting to do this and Josh and Jesse are not under the table. They are standing up and they look like deer, uh, in the middle of the field that has just heard something they are staring. And I remember with a puppet, I go, Jesse and Josh, y'all want to come over and sit down? Uh, and they nodded their head. Yes. And they came and sat down wow. and I was totally shocked. I wow. remember thinking like, I'm, I, I have done it. I am Jesus. <laughs> like right now, like these little kids are listening and so every week I would use this puppet whiskers uh, and and teach this class. I was 15 years old. Jesse and Josh were four. Ten years later, I be, was the youth pastor at the church at this time. Mm. And I was Josh's youth pastor as he entered high school. Wow. Jesse and Josh both. So they were there. They When I became a youth pastor... They came through our junior high program. I was a youth pastor when they entered high school. I was their youth pastor. And four years after Josh entered and Jesse entered high school, uh, I would do the eulogy at Josh's funeral. Mm. Uh, Coming back from a game one night, uh, they lost control of their car. Jesse survived the accident. Josh did not. Oh, my gosh. They were 18 years old, varsity basketball players, A-roll students, student leaders in our student ministry. I had known them their entire life. And over a 1,000 students from Byron Nelson High School here in the area came to that. Wow. Uh, many gave their lives to the Lord. And when I look back, I, I've told the story really all over the nation uh, when I've preached because I, the impact wasn't felt immediately, but... I don't know if I wouldn't have taught Jesse and Josh wow. when they were three and four year olds and I was 15. I don't know if I would have been awakened to the ministry hmm. that God has given uh, me today. 
And as your kids advance, this is challenging, but I tell that whole story because you have to introduce them to the thing that they were designed to do. And what I've just learned is this, that service plus time, when you, when you take time and you, and you give your child a life of service in the church, what it does is it creates significance. Beautiful. That's what it did in my life. Beautiful. And that's what we're doing with our children today yeah. is we're giving them this life of significance. And, and today it feels like, oh, I'm just doing something mundane, right? I'm just running a camera. I'm just filling a picture. I'm just setting out of chairs. But when you compile it with time, a yeah. young man or a young woman will say, my, my faith is more than a butt in a seat. I'm a child of God. And I was made yeah. to influence the world. Yep. It's so beautiful. I love that story. And you have stories and perspective like that over parts of the course that we'll save for that. I think let's maybe land the plane with this. You created a book for your daughter, who's now 12. And you did that really specifically, this idea of you don't have to wait to be great. Will you talk to us about that for yeah. just a minute? So I just have made a decision in my life that I'm going to try to be really intentional as a, as a parent with Kendra and together we're, we're going to make sure that our kids, when they look back one day and they say, I was a pastor's kid and somebody says to them, oh, that must have been so hard on you. We're going to make the decision that, that we want them to be able to say, no, I actually loved it. Hmm. And in, in the course, I talk about this concept of tribes over time. Yeah that one of the most important things that we need in our life is, is people to influence us. People ask me all the time, what was the greatest thing you learned from 13 years of youth ministry? Which I did. I did youth ministry for 13 years. And I would tell every parent that the number one thing that I would say is that you have to widen the circle of influence in your teenager's life. Hmm. You have to get very intentional about getting other people in their life because you're going to come to a point in your child's life where you're not going to be the smartest person in their life anymore. That's they're true. not they're not going to think that you're smart for a season. I always try to tell parents it's going to be good because they're going to think that you're not smart, but then you're going to become smart again. And and so with 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 Jaden, she just turned 12 years old. And I I wrote her and created this book for her. So I I picked about 25 or 30 people in her life that in the first 12 years of her life have been very impactful in her life. And in I wrote her a letter at the start of the book, and I said, this book is called 12, Not 21. That's mm. what we decided to call it. And it's based on the fact that when Jesus, when we get really the first glimpse of Jesus, it's not when he's 30. Right. We see him, of course, as a little infant, but where we really learn a little bit about him is when he's 12. When he's 12. He's yeah. in the temple, he's teaching, and and or he's learning. He's, he's talking to, you know, all of the people who are, are leading in the temple, having conversations with them, and they're amazed at his wisdom, which I think is really interesting. And then I think it's Luke 2.52, right, that says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor with man, favor with God, and in stature. Yep. Okay, those four go. things. And in, I just described to Jaden that you don't have to wait to be great. That so much of the time we put the emphasis on when you're 21, that's when you figure out what you're going to do for a living. Hmm. But really, you don't have to wait until you're 21. You can figure out and God can start to use you right now at 12. And that's what we're trying to champion with Jaden, that we want God to we want her. We want her to be used. She's not going to be used like mom and dad 
will be used. It'll be her own way. Yep. But God's going to use her now. God's going to use her in her school. And so every morning before she gets out of the car, she says the same thing. She said it since she went into elementary school. She says, I'm a leader. I'm a champion. I'm God's number one. And uh, I'm a light to my school. Help wow. me, God, to live for you. She says it every single wow. day without fail. Beautiful. And we're trying to instill in her these values. Well, instilling values without a tribe is is really difficult. Uh, and so what we did was we picked 30 people. I, and we have grandparents and aunts and uncles in this. But I'm going to tell you some of my favorite things to read in this book of about 30 letters and I asked people, I said, would you write her a letter? Yeah. What do you want to tell her about the next nine years of, of, of her life? What do you want her to know? She may not value it now, but when she's 16, she may open this back up and she may say, they gave this to me when I was 12. What were some of the things they were saying? But my fav- what was crazy about this is my favorite entries and letters were not family. They were mm. the people, yep. the tribe that she's known. It was our children's director, Tiana and Chase. Yep. Uh, it was uh, people who've been on my team, Kelsey and David, you know, who've who've seen her. In fact, Pastor Becky Porter on our team, who is over our care ministry, used to watch Jaden when she was three. And in her letter, she put all of these pictures of when Jaden was a child. This makes me emotional, honestly, when I think about it. And I've realized that what we've done in Jaden's life and in Brooklyn's life is we're putting a tribe around her yeah. so that when things get hard on her life, she cannot fail. Yeah. Very good. Because who is she going to go to if we're dumb? And, and I want to say this to every person who's listening right now, when you get dumb in your child's <laughs> life, <laughs> who are they going to turn to? You can proactively and strategically yes. create the people that yes. they turn to. And when I was young, what my parents did was they surrounded me with a tribe. That's what I said at the beginning. And all these people in my tribe did was they repeated the same things that my parents had instilled in me. Those values are powerful when they come from mom and dad, but they are, they're championed when they come from all the other people that you love and trust. So good. The impact of time, momentum in time. I thank you for all you shared on the course. Thank you for all you shared today. You know, (laughs) as you're talking today, I'm remembering our first leading second camp event in Austin in 2022. I thought I was being really cool, cool dad. And I created kids merch, you know, that we sold at the event. And they were just these, these t-shirts and onesies that said future uncommon church builder. You know, we use the phrase uncommon church builder in our leading second creed and all that. So future uncommon church builder. I thought I was being really cool, yeah. especially because they sold out and we didn't go home with one shirt. I thought, man, parents really bought this stuff. I get pictures of parents, you know, dressing their kids in this stuff. Well, my daughter, who was 10, I think at the time, she hated the shirts. Like legit, wow, did, legit really? did not like them. And I was like a little disappointed. Are you kidding me? I, just, I made kids merch and it's cool. With all seriousness, she looks at me and she says, I am not a future uncommon church builder. She's like, I am one right now. <laughs> that and, is amazing. And we it was it was joking, but it wasn't. I mean, she was legitimately kind of irritated about it. And so at our next event, she goes, hey, can I do a kid's class? And I said, well, we don't really have kids at the event. 
what are you wanting to do? She's like, <laughs> she goes, I want to do a kid's class and call it The Future Starts Now. <laughs> oh. I was like, I just got owned by my 11-year-old. That you is know, amazing. She, she's totally punching back she's at so me. She's so smart, though. But how how fun to see Gosh. ministry yes. and just that that passion you know, coming to life in our kids. And so I guess to land the plane today, what we are wanting to say and bring to the surface, we're going to keep talking about this in leading second, how we lead our family matters. And if you're not getting it right, we would say we're right in that boat with you. We, We bring this conversation, I think really humbly, Yeah. but also now with a few years of starting to see some fruit and if God is doing it for us, he will do it for you. And he loves our kids and he loves our, our marriages. We haven't even talked a lot about marriage on right. this, but he loves our partnerships in ministry and he will help us. I, I want to say this. I Two things. Number one, find something that you can give your kids ownership of in the church. Mm. That's how it's like, how, does, how do you create Team Dean? You know, mm. how do you create Team Stewart? Yeah. Give them ownership uh, of something within your sphere of influence and let them run with it. The second thing, and I know you know this, but the greatest, the greatest contribution that you can make over time is is the investment of time into your children, and that's the part that pastors tend to not have a lot of. They feel like, uh, but you have to take advantage of the opportunities that you have. I six weeks ago, seven weeks ago now, I started doing a breakfast on Friday mornings Mm. with Jaden before she goes to school. So she's 12. She just started sixth grade. My sixth grade year was horrible. So I'm just, I'm trying to think in my own mind, how can I make this right? And so every Friday morning we go to a new breakfast place. We're running out because we've done this seven times and I, it's gotta be close to the school, (laughs) but I have a, I have a devotional daddy daughter book and I have, we bring our Bibles and the first 20 minutes, we do the devotional together. I make her turn in her Bible. And then the next 20 minutes, I just ask her questions. How are you doing? You know, how's school? Tell me about Gianna, which is one of her friends. You know, tell me. Wow. And I'm just poking and prodding. And I'm not believing. It's her favorite. She told me the other day, it's like one of her favorite things mm. that we do. And the other day, we had a really crazy week at church. She had a crazy week at school. She had to go in early. My wife was out of town. She got back into town. I thought Jaden's going to want to sleep in right before school. We've gotten up at the crack of dawn. Right. And Thursday night, I asked her, I said, hey, I know it's been a crazy week. I'm sure, do you not want to go to breakfast tomorrow? And she went, no. I Of course I want to go to breakfast. Wow. <laughs> and I was shocked. Uh, and wow. I told Kendra. And I just feel like for the first, you know how you have these moments where you feel like, okay, I this may work. You know, I may, you see light. You have to try things, yeah. you know, with your kids to create that family unit, to create that ministry unit. So try stuff, you know, don't just settle for routine, yeah. do new things. Thanks for your perspective today, yeah. my friend. Thanks for being in our corner. Thank you for your wisdom. We love you guys. We love you. What an honor. Well, wasn't today's conversation rich? Hey, I just want to remind you that if you want to join Leading Second Plus and hear more about family in ministry, you can find the new course dropping next week at the time of this recording on leadingsecondplus.com. To find the episode guide, visit our website, leadingsecond.com forward slash podcast. 
You can also follow us on Instagram at Leading Second and join us on the Leading Second Collective on Facebook.